right, all right. How you guys doing? Happy Sunday. Great to be together. And I just want to tell you, if you get bored in here this morning, our kids actually have downhill sledding. So I will be offended, but I can guarantee you, you'll have a good time with them. Now, I'm excited what God's doing in this series in our children as they talk about being unfrozen. I'm loving just having my kids tell me what's going on and what they're learning. And I'm also thankful last week we talked about in world, the World Mandate Conference, and I said, hey, if you can't afford it, don't let the price prohibit you from going. And I actually had some people uh, calling and taking us up on that, and we absolutely want that. If you can't afford it, we want you at World Mandate West. It's going to be an incredible time, so please join us and just sign up, and we will love being together. Okay, who is enjoying talking about freedom in Christ? So we are going to jump back in. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Our ushers would love to give you one as a gift this morning. And if you have one or if you have a Bible app, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In 1997, I had gone off to college and I found myself really for the first time hungry for God. I don't know if you've ever been hungry for God before. It's a really exciting time in life where you are wanting to get to know him more. You are wanting to be in worship times. You're wanting to hear the word. And there were three different things that had aligned to aid me in this journey. First, I had found a great worship service to attend weekly. This was one where people were passionately singing songs to God. It, it wasn't quite like this yet. People weren't just all raising their hands and even jumping up and down, but they had their eyes closed. And that was radical to me, right? So I only closed my eyes in church when I fell asleep. So this was new. Secondly, I had met someone that was my age that absolutely loved Jesus. And that love that I saw in this college student was contagious. And it made me hungry for my life to be changed by him as well. And then thirdly, I had joined a small group, and in this small group, we were studying the Bible together, we were worshiping together, we were praying for each other, and we were holding each other accountable. I believe you really can't grow as the Lord has called you to without meeting with a small group of believers, as they did house to house, Acts 2, 42 through 47. That's why we have our life groups that are always open, want to encourage you to join one if you haven't. I had gotten involved or touched by all three of these aspects, but Yet I was incredibly frustrated because when I found that I was apart from a worship service or apart from my small group or not with people that were seeking the Lord wholeheartedly, my mind was just plagued by the enemy. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in this kind of situation where you just feel like the enemy is attacking your thought life. Can anyone relate to that? And, and, and it just is so discouraging because you're saying, I want you, Lord. I want to grow in you. I want to be with you. But then you feel like your mind is just a battlefield. That's what was happening to me. Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter, three, uh, chapter 10 right now, verse 3. As we talked last week about strongholds. Now, let me encourage you, if you've missed any of these messages in this Let It Go series, to find them on our app, or to find them on our website because they're building upon each other. We talked the first week that the first place to gain freedom is in our mind, that God wants to give us a paradigm of freedom. We talked last week 
a lot about these things called strongholds. And strongholds are, uh, militarily speaking, a fortified place where the enemy takes artillery and puts many soldiers and takes a stand. And that is what the enemy tries to do in our mind. Here's the scripture where we understand this concept of strongholds. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Say demolish strongholds. Very good, church. We demolish arguments and every pretension that set itself up against the knowledge of God. So a stronghold in your mind is an argument. This argument that's against the knowledge of God. The Bible says that God is good. But you have this argument going on in your mind that's saying, yeah, God is good to everyone except me. Or you have these arguments in your mind or these pretensions against what God will do for you. Well, my God will supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Well, he'll do that for everyone but me. Or God doesn't love me. And it's these arguments that are opposing of what the Bible says about God. Have you seen Despicable Me? <laughs> if you've seen it, let me just, let me just see uh, a show of uh, lots of Despicable Me viewers out there. The only reason I saw it was because I have little kids. And, okay, you caught me. And um, there are these cute little things called the Minions. I think if you haven't even seen Despicable Me, you know about Minions. Right? Minions are so popular. Actually, this is so funny. Yesterday, we got a package in the mail that someone was sending us gifts that they bought on a mission trip in Guatemala. And they sent us handmade minions, handmade minions from a village in Guatemala. Okay? Minions are taking over the world, folks. But, but here's the biblical application. In Despicable Me 2... Gru, the main character, has his minions who are these sweet, let me just show you right here, so sweet, these sweet little yellow guys, and they're funny, and they're helpful, and they're sweet, and they're his servants. They're, they're helping him along, and they sing these cute songs, I love it because they don't know the words of the song, but they just sing the song anyway, kind of reminds me of my wife, but... Uh, <laughs> But she's not in here right now. So, uh, so <laughs> no, I, I, I love my wife and I love minions because they're, and this is how your thoughts should be. Your minions is, is how your, your thoughts should be. They should be helpful. They should be pure. They should be loving. They should be serving. They should actually be used to extend the kingdom of God through you. However, if you saw Despicable Me 2, Gru, the main character, had an arch nemesis. His name was El Macho. El Macho had a plan to take over the world by mutating these pure, cute, lovable minions and turning them into ah, this. These very out-of-control, destructive, hurtful, harmful, evil minions. 
And if you saw the movie, they would just eat everything. They actually couldn't stop moving. They were like, eh, you know, they, they, they were, were always moving, and they were eating anything. They just eat up, eat up a car, eat up a house. And so El Macho's plan was to send these harmful minions in a rocket ship to the major cities of the world and destroy the earth. Sounds very biblical, doesn't it? You know, the, the, the thief came only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the Bible says. And so many of us, when we think about our thought life, you're not thinking this. You're not like, oh, peaceful, helpful, serving. You're like, this looks more like my thought life. Destructive, harmful, hurtful. And so we have these strongholds in our mind. We have a, a stronghold of unforgiveness. And, and it's this evil thought that just keeps saying, be bitter at this person. Be angry at this person. I can't believe they did this to you. And, and they just want to entertain you. And then, and then look at what the scripture says in James 1.14. It says, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Or another word for that would be thoughts. You, you're, you're tempted by your own desire or thoughts. The Greek word is epithemia, which means the craving or longing or lust. And, and, and this is what happens. It says this, then the desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. That's horrible. This is the enemy's plan with your thought life. He wants your thoughts to be out of control. And as they're there, all of a sudden, they give birth to sin. And all of a sudden, sin's coming out of your life, and you're walking into sin. Let me just give you an example. Let's say you have a, a, a sexual stronghold in your mind. And you're thinking, well, you know, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just kind of over here sitting and thinking about this thought. It pops in your mind. You're like, you know what? It kind of feels fun. It's kind of entertaining. And it's just in your mind. If you just let it be, what Scripture says is that it will conceive sin. And so leave your sexual thoughts unchecked. And the next thing you do is you find yourself actually walking into sin. All of a sudden, you're not just thinking sexual thoughts, you're looking at porn. You're not just thinking sexual thoughts, you're engaging in a sexual activity with someone outside the biblically blessed confines of marriage. And then what does it say? Then that sin brings forth death. You see, I, I had this idea as a young believer, I was like, God, why are you always trying to end my fun? Because I'd have these thoughts, and at first I thought, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting thought. And it, 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 I think I want to entertain it. But, but then I'd say, well, then, then, you know, after I entertained it for a while, well, I need to act on it. You know, it's not okay. Just, it's not enough to just think. I need to act on it. And then you act on it, and you think, well, this is fun. And then you find it's bringing forth death in your life. You know, that, that's why, as a parent, I don't like it when my kids play in the street. You'd say, oh, Robert, you're such a killjoy. You're no fun. No, I don't want my kids to get run over and be flat like a pancake. I want my kids, I want my kids to play. I love for my kids to play. I love for my kids to have fun. But I want them to do it 
in the right confines. I want them to play in the yard where it's safe for them. God wants to give you the fullness of life. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and life most abundantly. One of the main attacks we have as Christians is God is trying to steal my fun. And we must understand, no, God actually wants to give you the best. He's trying to keep you from getting destroyed. So listen to what it says in verse 5. Uh, it says this, we take, every, uh, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. So here you are living your life, and all of a sudden, this thought comes. You are called as a believer to take it captive. You gotta take that thought captive. And I wanna tell you that God has given you power to do it through several weapons. God has given you weapons to fight these thoughts that come to plague us. Let me show you where it is in scripture. Verse four says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Some of you are feeling like, man, I just get plagued with the thoughts in my mind. I'm just getting beat up. And God says, no, I've given you some divine weapons to demolish the stronghold. So what are those weapons? Well, if you look at Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of the spirit. That God actually gives us armor to fight this fight of faith. And in verse 17, it talks about our one offensive weapon. As it says, finally, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Great job. So, so many of us as believers... You know, we have our Bible, and it's kind of just up on the shelf in our house, and, and we look over, and, and we're kind of just seeing it like a little book. You know, I mean, it's, it's more than a book, but we're just thinking, you know, I, I should read that sometime, you know, or maybe if I, if I was a really good Christian, I'd read it a, a few minutes a, a, a day, but, but really and truly, it's, it's just kind of a book to you, and it's just a, a little better than the average book. I want to tell you, if you could see the Word of God for what it really is, it looks a lot more like this. This is what you're wielding, Christian. You have this word of God. Me too. Can you come here for a second? He doesn't know I'm going to do this. But, but listen to what it says in, in, in Hebrews 4.12. Don't get too close. It says, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper then a double-edged sword. Oi! <laughs> uh, <laughs> piercing, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and tensions of the heart. Now, if Mitsu was my enemy, act like an enemy for a minute. There you go. You have not watched enough Jackie Chan movies, my friend. Uh, Mitsu's my enemy, Okay? And, and, and let me say, if I come over to Mitsu and go, hey, don't attack me because there's a little book on the shelf. Does that scare you? No, not, not really. Ooh, a book on the shelf. But what if you come to attack me and I say, double-edged sword, sharper, right? I mean, th this is the word of God. Thank you, Mitsu. Go ahead, get up. 
The Bible, the Word of God, is a double-edged sword. And it separates between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. So the, the problem is many of us, we don't know what is from our own soul and from the devil in our mind and, and, and what's actually from the Holy Spirit going on in our mind. So we're getting beat up because we're not yielding the sword of the Spirit. Okay, let me, let me just give you an example. I, I need to have some help out here. Hector, can you come out here for a minute? So this is Hector right here, and you can tell Hector's a little down. And the reason is he's just, he's just been getting harassed. So he's harassed Hector, right? And... Uh, Here's the, here's the enemy coming out, and the enemy has been trying, Hector is trying to walk with the Lord, but the enemy has come and tried to plague him with negative <laughs> thoughts. And so what we tend to have the tendency to do is just to look at these negative thoughts and, and just to say, oh, I'm, I'm. So, so here's a negative thought. It says, I'm a loser. And all of a sudden, it's on his mind. He's just like, I'm a loser. Yeah, I, I'm just... I'm just this loser, yeah, I can't do anything. And then, and then the next thought, I'm a failure. I'm a failure, and so now he's a loser and a failure. And then he gets the thought, I'll never amount to anything. And so now he has all these thoughts just plaguing his mind. What Hector needs to do is take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God in his hands, take that Word of God in his hands, and he gets the thought, I'm a loser, but all of a sudden he goes, no. John 1.12 says, I'm God's child. I'm Look at that, it sliced away, that thought. And then he says, I'm a failure, and he goes, no, I'm Christ's friend. I'm Christ's friend. Look at that. And then, and then lastly, I'll never amount to anything, and, and then he gets, no, I've been bought with a price, I belong to God, 1 Corinthians 6.20. I belong to God. So look, he takes the sword of the Spirit, oh, you can give him a bigger hand than that, guys. He's taking the Word of God. Point one, the word of God slices. The word of God slices between the enemy's attacks and God's purposes for our life. If you're taking notes, the word of God slices between them and, and, and it changes us. Let me, let me just share you a, another example. This is how many people are getting deceived and actually into bondage. So here's Hector and all of a sudden, little Lolita walks by and he sees little Lolita, and he's like, oh, man, she is fine. <laughs> and he wants to date little Lolita. But here's the problem. Little Lolita, she doesn't really love Jesus, okay? She, she's, not, she's not walking with God. But, but, but his heart, his heart wants to date her. Corazón. <laughs> and... and and, and his mind is thinking about her all the time, right? And, and, and it feels so right. And, and, and plus, if he loves her, isn't it right to be with her? All of a sudden, he takes out the word of God. And the word of God says, do not be yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? He takes that sword and goes, yeah, nice, wow. <laughs> and then he takes, he takes the word and he says, no, love, he thought, I thought I was in love with her, but actually love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't 
boast. It doesn't seek out its own. And he's like, no, actually, my feelings for Lolita, and I think her feelings for me, no, they're all lustful and jealous and, and envious. This isn't love. And boom, he just whoosh, slices right through that. And he realizes, I shouldn't date Lolita, even though I feel like it. You see, the word of God is slicing between soul and spirit. It's slicing between our worldly passions and our fleshly desires and what the Spirit of God is calling us to. That's how we use the Word of God. Let's give these guys a hand. Now, I started using the Word of God. You start reading it daily, and what you find is, as thoughts come your way, they fall upon the Word of God, and you see how it starts separating What's from the world, what's from the flesh, and what's from the kingdom. And you walk forth like this continually, utilizing the word of God to slice through your thoughts. So many Christians are living confused. Oh, I just don't know what I should do. And I want to say, are you using the sword, the word of God? You start doing that. But here's what I found next. I started realizing what was evil. I could discern now evil from from good, but I don't know if you've had this experience where you just get bombarded with bad thoughts. And you're like, I'm trying to walk with God. I'd I'd really notice this when I was driving in my car. I'd kind of go on autopilot in my mind, and all of a sudden, I'd just be bombarded with thoughts that were not pleasing to God, thoughts that were not appropriate for a man of God. For me, it was a lot of lustful thoughts and lustful images, and as much as I didn't want them, I just kept getting attacked with them. Have you ever had that experience where you just get attacked with thoughts you don't want, even though you're trying to walk with the Lord? Now, this is what Ephesians chapter 5 says. It says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. I remember driving my car one time and just complaining to God, God, I just can't get free in my mind. I'm reading your word daily, but I still feel like I just get bombarded with these thoughts that are from the enemy. And I remember having this image in my mind of high school chemistry class. Now, just to be honest with you, I don't get high school chemistry class. Whoever thought it was good to put teenagers with explosive chemicals in the same room, I just think it's crazy. But for some reason, we do it, and we call it school. So the teacher, though, always says, there are going to be some harmful chemicals in here. If you get them in your eye, make sure and go to the washing station. And washing stations are so cool because they're like an upside-down sink. You know, usually the spigot goes down and it just like gently puts water on your hands, but not a chemistry class washing station. You go over to it and the spigots are facing straight up to shoot water with full force into your eyes. You get the harmful stuff out by flooding it with good stuff. You get the harmful junk out by flooding your eyes. And it's not just, no, they say, go and put your eyes over it for five minutes. You're, ah, it just shoots in your eyes. And I realized I've got so much junk lodged up in my head. Oh, here's another good one. I've been sick this week, and I remember going to a doctor, 
and them saying, hey, you got to get that bad mucus that just gets infected and it gets green and brown. And you got to get that good saline and just shoot it up to clear out the junk or it'll just stay and fester in your mind. Oh, you're never going to forget this, church. <laughs> and so, so the doctor said, just keep squirting that saline, keep rinsing. You know, some of you are using neti pots. It's just cleaning out the junk. That's what you need to do with the Word of God. You've got to wash your mind continually with the Word of God. So what I started doing is I got in the car and I bought the, God, the Bible on CDs, we didn't have these MP3s and all the smartphones back then. And so I'd just play the Bible continually or I'd put a sermon on because I found if I was taking in good, my mind couldn't go too bad. Your mind can't occupy two things at one time. You might think you're really smart, but your mind's going to focus on one thing. So take in enough good, wash enough good, it's going to flush out the bad. Hector, can you come back out? devil would you come to don't ever call the devil purposely into your life it's just for an illustration so so Hector here he, he, he's learning good from evil he, he, he's, he's trying to, to, to use the sword of the spirit but now there's just some lustful thoughts that just come and plague his mind and he's like oh oh this is I, I don't want this anymore he needs to have a season of just taking the, the, the word of God. So he puts his little earbuds in and, and he turns his, his, his Bible app. Who has a Bible app in here? Do you have a Bible app? I want to encourage everyone. It's the most downloaded app in the world, which is just awesome. And I just push the audio button and just play the Bible over my mind when I'm driving around, when I'm walking the streets. Some of you have a hard time sleeping. I want to encourage you, just put those earphones in and let the Bible wash over your mind. So he puts those earphones on, and the enemy just starts to run. But if you could see it in slow motion, what it really looks like is this. He's taking the super soaker of the word, and he's shooting the enemy right there with it. Oh, sorry, sorry but look, the enemy just disappeared. Let's give them a hand, guys. You're taking, you're taking the super soaker and just flooding your mind with the word. We meant to have splash zone down there. Sorry, Pastor Gino. All right. So you got the, you got the word of God, and it's, it's slicing between soul and spirit. It's slicing between evil and what is pure and right. Then you've got the washing, where you're just washing your brain continually, just Download that app or, or, or play, play uh, sermons all the time that will just feed your mind with good things. But here's what happens. You start getting free. And you know that the enemy actually will set traps for you. The enemy actually tried to set a trap for Jesus. I want to I look at this. The last thing we're going to look at, Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, now listen, some of you get discouraged because there are traps set for you and you're like, I must not be godly because I have an opportunity to sin. Know that devil gave Jesus an opportunity to sin when he was full of the Holy Spirit. The devil will attack. Some of you actually give up on seeking the Lord because you're like, 
well, I was seeking the Lord, but the devil's attacking me, so I'm just going to give up. No, the devil even came to attack Jesus. That's part of the game, folks. But let's look at the rest of the story. Where for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at that time, he was hungry. Verse verse 3, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Then the devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it all will be yours. Now watch what happens. Jesus says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until a more opportune time. You know, I love this. This is the showdown between Jesus and the devil. And it would have been cool if Jesus would have used some superpower. You know, the devil says, hey, I, you know, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus says, no, and uses fire out of his eyes and just burn up the devil. Or if Jesus said, no, and shot out spider webs from his wrist and just took over the devil. Or he just said, I don't need this temptation and just flew off. But then you couldn't relate because we're not superheroes. So Jesus Jesus uses the method that we can use. He uses the word of God. He uses the weapon that you have. And he says, it is written. It is written. It is written. And what happens? The devil leaves them. So it goes like this. Come out one more time, Hector. Come on, Hector. So here's Hector. Hector has been using using the word of God as a sword. Hector's been washing his mind with the water of the word. But now the enemy comes. And look, he looks so much better, doesn't he? I mean, he's, he's a strapping young buck. But now the enemy's coming to tempt him. A strategic plan to cause him to sin. So Hector is in his college class. And, and he's taking a test, and he's been a good student, but all of a sudden, he doesn't know the answer to one question, and it just so happens that the smartest person in the class is sitting right next to him, and she's just totally, of course it's a she, she's just totally, totally leaves her paper open for him to see, and so he's being drawn to look, but what he needs to do instead is go, I'm going to fight this. And so he needs to become Hector Balboa or Hector Biblioa. He needs, to, he needs to take up the word of God to fight this temptation. And, and, and so all of a sudden, the enemy's saying, I want you to cheat. And he goes, no, 2 Timothy says, flee the evil desires of your youth. 
that. Now, now, what happens is he wins that temptation, but the enemy, he, he, he's, he's wise. And so he doesn't just keep trying to get him to cheat once he sees that he's won in that arena, so he brings him to another thing. So Hector, after he doesn't cheat, he did well on the test, he's sitting on the beach just enjoying some relaxation, and then all of a sudden the enemy just makes it that this provocatively, scantily clad girl just comes right in front of him at the wrong time, and, and she's just trying to get his attention, and he's going, oh, man, I really, I really think I need that. I really think I want that. And then all of a sudden, he says, no. Job, in the book of Job, it says, it is written. I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a young woman. And boom. He's free. Then the enemy comes in a different direction. <clears throat> and, and, and he hadn't fallen into cheating, he hadn't fallen into lust, but now he gets a bill in the mail. And, and this bill is for way more money than he expected, and he's like, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent, and I'm not going to be able to eat, and I'm going to end up in prison, and, I'm gonna, and his mind's just starting to go crazy over this fear. But instead, he needs to go, no. It is written in Philippians, my God shall supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Boom. And he's free. He's free. Let's give these guys a hand. You have a weapon, and it's the word of God. Are you using it? God has given us this gift. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. Many of us need to take up that sword today and start using it every day. You're in confusion. You don't know what to do. Let me ask you, are you taking the word of God and healing it like a sword today? Some of us, man, we just feel like out of control in our mind. And we just feel like our minds are plagued. And we know good from evil. But let me ask you, are you just washing your mind? You need to take a word bath like we say many times. You just need to put that word like a shower and let it wash over your mind. I want to tell you that you can find peace as you let the word of God wash over your mind. And then lastly, we need to take up the word like a boxing glove. And the enemy comes, and he sets traps, which he often does. But you're just ready to say, no, it is written. I say it out loud. I go, uh-uh, devil. That's a lie. I actually say it out loud. I'm like, that's a lie. That's a lie. Here's the truth. Right? That's a lie. Some of you just need to say, that's a lie. That's a lie. And you say, well, here's the truth. And you speak out the truth to God. I, I want you to start speaking the word of God. See if you don't. Feel it building you up inside. The word of God is living and active. It's not little book, oh, little book. No, that it's, it's not just a little book. It's living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It's piercing when you start using the word of God as a weapon. I want to end by showing you a testimony of someone who made a choice to align their lives with the word of God. And I want you to see what a transformation it brought about. Uh, I grew up with my mom and my 
dad, they had gotten divorced. My stepdad came into the picture and it was it was this fun relationship with all of us kids and then all of a sudden it just started turning south. Molestation that happened, physical abuse, a lot of guilt in the family. When I was around 14 years old, the physical abuse just got really, really strong in my sweet, sweet mom. She just said, okay, this is enough. She ended up divorcing and that's when I started partying more, smoking marijuana, I had alcohol poisoning. I, I just, I had continued to party because I was just trying to fill a void and I was just going from relationship, you know, to relationship. Then a few months later, I, um, I was pregnant with my daughter, Triana. Being a single mom definitely was not easy. I can see now with the move down to San Diego that God was leading me down here. But at the time, I was just coming down for college and just coming down to finish college. And um, as a single mom, just, okay, I need to get educated so I can provide for my daughter. I remember being at worship at All Peoples and just weeping all the time. I finally just sat down and I felt a hand really quickly on my shoulder, just a, a quick tap. And I look up, it was Jonathan Lair, and he said, are you... Has this been a hard season for you? And I couldn't say any words, I just nodded my head. That's when I got connected with the Restoration House where we read the Bible, studied different books on how to love Jesus more, how to let him into your life more, how to, how to dig into those hard places to bring freedom. It was even a deeper time into the Word. One verse that just goes over my head all the time that I actually pray over Triana each night is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. And I've just seen my life transform where in the past I'm sitting here trying to make my path straight and it was not happening. And it just says it right there in the Word where it's like trust in Him and don't lean on your own understanding, but when you do submit everything to Him, then He will make your path straight. So I feel like a completely different person. I remember looking back on a journal and I was writing down all these words of worried, depressed, sad, anxious, lonely. And when that anxiety comes up or when that, when that feeling of sadness or loneliness comes up, it's right away, I'm like, no. Jesus has set me free. Jesus has and and there's no need to live in this anymore. Today I am happily married. In my wildest dreams I could not have imagined a family that God has totally provided now with Thomas and Triana and just with this community at all peoples. And when you just lean on the word that's where you'll find peace. Come on. Awesome. Uh, I'll tell you what, it was holy ground at Anita and Thomas's wedding. I remember when Anita first came around and the brokenness and the pain in her life to then standing at the altar with Thomas and watching her walk down a transformed woman radiating 
with the love and joy of God and to see what God has done in them. And now she's serving in the restoration house, helping women be transformed. They are wanting to go to the nations to serve the Lord as missionaries. It is amazing. And she would say, if he can do it in her, he can do it in you. God's word is powerful. So let's complete our time with this. Practically, what do you need to do to respond to this message? Perhaps it's beginning a daily commitment to reading the word of God. I have this desire as a pastor that every person that calls themselves a part of all people's church would be committed to daily being in the word of God. I I truly believe we would have the wisest church on earth if we were like that. Maybe it's you committing to be regular on Sundays and regular in life groups so you put yourself in environments where the word is continually taught and you can meditate on it. Or maybe it's just washing your mind with the word. Maybe you need to download that app and just say, okay, in my downtime, when I'm driving, when I'm walking, when I'm going to bed, I'm just going to flood my mind. I'm going to wash my mind with that word. What is the practical that you need to take today? Why don't you stand up? Would you just close your eyes with me? Lord, I just pray right now that you would put something on each person's heart. We we want to take up that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and use it. And here's what I want to do right now. I want to pray for those There's some in here that would just say, like I did, man, I just feel like there is such a battle over my mind, and I need a breakthrough. I am tired of this war in my mind. I just have faith today for for lives to start changing. If that's you today, and let's just keep our eyes closed, but if that's you today, you say, yes, I need a breakthrough in my mind, I just want you to hold your hand up right now, because we're going to pray a prayer of faith over you today and thank you for being bold and thank you for being honest and vulnerable and just keep your hand up and I just want you to now think instead of I just have my hand up that I'm raising my hand to heaven for help and Lord I'm praying for every one of my friends it says there's a battle in my mind first of all thank you that your word says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up it's humble to raise your hand and say I need help and so Lord I thank you that you're coming to strengthen them today in the name of Jesus, that there is power in the word of God to set them free. You came to set the captives free, and you're going to bring freedom today. You can put your hand down. Prayer team, if you'd come on up right now. I just believe that today is a day for people to start that journey of getting free. If, if you want someone to agree with you, sometimes we just want someone to lay hands on us and say, agree with me in prayer. Agree with me. Can I really be free? If I really can, I want someone to agree with me. I want them to, to pray a prayer of faith over me to be set free. We want to pray for you. We also want to pray for you if you want to give your life to Jesus today. You might say, you know, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. He paid the price for you that you couldn't pay. And when he rose from the dead, he defeated the power of sin and death 
so that you could be free and that you could spend eternity with him in heaven. And if that's you today, we want to give you one of these books that's going to help you walk forward in your relationship with Jesus. If that's your desire today to commit your life to Christ, I want to invite you to come down and just say, hey, can I have one of those books? Just tell the prayer leaders, can I have one of those books to help me walk in my relationship with Jesus? We'll give you one free. And lastly, we just want to pray over those that are sick, over those with physical ailments, those that came with needs this morning. Let us lay hands on you and pray for God to do something in your life. If God is touching you this morning, if he's drawing your heart, if he's tugging on your spirit, you come now and receive prayer as Stephen leads us in one last song.